0: Is. Are you ready? This is the drive with Josh Graham here. on Sports Hub Triad. By golly, we've made it
1: to a Friday drive. Where there's quite a bit going on at Wake Forest right now. This morning, it was announced that the historic event that's coming to Truist Field is a Sir Paul McCartney concert on May 21st. And as soon as we get off the air this evening at 6 o'clock, we'll be at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds Annex hanging out, hand, uh, handing out prizes such as WSGS Sports Hockey Pucks and ACC Sports Journal magazines and potentially more at the ACC Hockey League Championships. They're in town again for the fourth consecutive year. Then tomorrow... For the second straight weekend, the biggest basketball game in the ACC will be at Joel Coliseum. It's Notre Dame-Wake Forest, and for the Deeks, it's a game that will almost certainly define their season. If they win, they're an NCAA tournament team, no questions asked. It's Notre Dame, which is tied for the best record in the league, along with Duke, and Wake Forest, whom I believe is the second most talented team in the league behind the Blue Devils. After this game, Wake Forest has three cupcakes to close conference play. You've got Louisville at home, Clemson on the road, NC State at home, and that should pad your resume. If Wake Forest wins that, takes care of business, wins their final four games of the season, which as described, perfectly possible for them, they would be 24-7 and heading into the tournament. No chance Wake Forest gets left out of the field. They'd be deserving. So that's what happens if they win. If they lose, they're on the bubble. They're in a similar situation that North Carolina's in right now. For Wake, they would have lost three consecutive games And they'd all be against teams, I think, are top five in the ACC. They came close against Miami, lost by four. Came close against Duke, rallying back from 19 down, lost by two. But in the end, nobody's looking at how close these games are. It's about the result when it's all said and done. And Wake lost both those games. You can't lose all three of these, two of the three being at home. I just told you what the rest of the season looks like. There are no more opportunities for Wake to significantly bolster its resume other than beating Notre Dame tomorrow. So if they lose, they're right where North Carolina is. And the big difference between the two, I know you might be thinking, Josh, Wake Forest beat North Carolina by 22. They can't be in the same situation. I'm here to tell you, when you look at the net, and Wake Forest out of conference schedule which is really bad versus North Carolina's which wasn't and the Michigan win continues to look better and better I don't think I'm far I'm far off saying after a loss North Carolina's going to be right there with Wake and North Carolina has more opportunities against quad one competition than Wake Forest does including tomorrow at Virginia Tech and a game at Duke they have more opportunities after tomorrow, to strengthen the resume that Wake Forest doesn't. This is not me saying if Wake loses tomorrow, they're not going to make the tournament. I'm saying it's in doubt if they lose to the Irish. But with all that being said, I like the Deeks to win. I think home court matters. Wake Forest is 12-2 this year at home. And I think Wake's length is going to be the difference here. We watched North Carolina go into South Bend, and Armando Baycott nearly put up a 20-20 and game. Armando. Uh, One of these times I'm going to time that right where you don't trample over me with that. One of these times. Virginia Tech did the same thing. Bullied them a bit with their size. Wake Forest is the second or third biggest team in the ACC. I think that size is going to be tough for Notre Dame to handle. Tomorrow will define Wake Forest season. If they win, they're a tournament team. If they lose, that really becomes a question mark. On Twitter at WSJSports, 336-777-1600, like I said, so much going on in a very small area in Winston-Salem. You had that announcement at 9 a.m. this morning, Sir Paul McCartney coming to the triad. You've got the ACC Hockey League Championships at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds Annex, Wake Forest baseball season starting today, college baseball altogether starting, Wake's home this weekend, and the biggest game in the ACC. So a lot to talk about today, including this. When ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips said last month that he's not going to support playoff expansion, we knew that any and all proposals were dead on arrival until 2026, at the earliest. So, this headline was inevitable. Today, the news was made official by college football playoff executive director Bill Hancock. There will be no expansion until 2026. Unsurprisingly, that's led to mountains of blowback directed at Phillips. You cost the league hundreds of millions of dollars. College football's broken, there's no leadership structure. You get the idea. But I actually think by saying no, Phillips is doing the right thing, not just for the ACC, but all of college football. College football is going to expand one day. We know this. But now wasn't the right time for it. And there's a reason why all the coaches stand behind this. It's a funny thing. All the college football playoff fans or all the college football fans that wanted expansion today that are red in the face and mad, there are many of the same people that have also said, listen to the players. We need to empower the players. They need a voice. And many of the players are saying, we don't want more games. We don't. How's that going to work? When Jack Swarbrick presented the playoff model to ACC coaches last August, I've been, I've been talking to people about this meeting, even when we were in Charlotte for Media day. They were given no specifics. Is there going to be relief in more scholarships? They're going to be, what's the calendar going to look like? How many extra games? What are we going to do? And all they were met with was, yeah, it's 12. Are, Are there going to be home games? Which bowl games? What's the rotation look like? Yeah, it's just going to be 12. And they didn't have good answers to those questions, which are all very fair questions. Now is not the right time. The SEC and Notre Dame tried to manipulate a format. That would benefit them most. And they kept the Big Ten commission, Pac-12 commission, ACC commission out of the room while they worked on this. It's not a coincidence that the 12-team format best benefits them. And then the SEC tried to push it through before we all knew about the Oklahoma and Texas news, trying to load the deck in their favor. So I completely understand letting all of expansion kind of shake out and see what NIL does and the one-time transfer taking a breath and pushing this thing back four years. Plus, this year, the four-team format was perfect. You had group of five representation. When we thought before last season, that was impossible. You didn't have Clemson. You didn't have Oklahoma. You didn't have... Who am I forgetting here? That's always in the college football playoff. You didn't have Ohio State. You had New new teams that were playing and participating in it. And that's a really good thing. And Georgia hasn't won a national title since 1980. So the 14 format, it worked this past year. So it's not completely broken. We could survive another four years with it and kind of wait and see what happens. But what I liked about what Phillips did, I've been critical of Jim Phillips on this show for good reason. I thought his comments about Greensboro were asinine when he put out that statement. And it ticked me off hearing a guy who just arrived tell him Tell me how much he knows and loves about the ACC in 1953 and what it means to him when I don't even think he was born when that happened. That was a joke, and we called them on it. But I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Jim Phillips deserves credit for doing something he knew was going to be unpopular because it was the right thing to do. He went further than the other two commissioners in the air quote alliance went, and George Klievkov at the Pac-12 And Kevin Warren with the Big Ten. He put his name on it. Rather than being uh, indifferent on the fence saying, well, we're we're in favor of expansion. We just want to make sure we get the right format. When we all knew it was either 12 or staying at four, Phillips put his name on it and said, no, I'm not going to go for it. I could take the heat. I'm going to represent the coaches. I'm going to represent the players and the ADs. It reveals character. It gains respect from the people that you work alongside. That's a good sign of leadership for the ACC and from Jim Phillips. The next negotiation, when we get the 2024, 2025, looking ahead to 26, that's going to be a completely different animal. Right now, they need a consensus among the 10 commissioners and Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick for this to get pushed through early, and when Phillips said no, that was dead on arrival, and we knew it a month ago. Not then, though. Not in a few years. You're not going to need uniformity to find the next format in 2026. That's my understanding. But Phillips bought the Alliance some time. You now have a chance to figure things out. What the landscape is. What things are going to be. And Jim Phillips is no longer going to be a first-year ACC commissioner in 2024 and 2025. And Kevin Warren's no longer going to be a second-year Big Ten commissioner. And George Kliakov no longer going to be a second-year Pac-12 commissioner. They're going to have a little bit more power, a little bit more say. But good luck trying to get the SEC and Greg Sankey to do something they don't want to do. But that's for a later day.
0: A man is a lunatic. (laughs) Smells like a gym bag. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: B in studio with us. You've got three grammar school questions for me, and in this new format, I've got one. It's not white-centric, caucastic question <laughs> I'd be asking you. I actually got a bonus question for you right now. Oh. How many Beatles songs can you name? Oh, my God.
2: If the over-under is five, you better take the under.
1: Uh, can you get the three?
3: Three Beatles songs. I think if the over-under was at one and a half,
0: I would take the Would you take the under? Probably. <laughs> Paul
1: McCartney is going to be performing at Truist Field May 21st. That's the big news of the day. Right,
2: right, right. Huh? Mm-hmm.
1: The Beatles, last day checked, all white dudes. Yeah. I don't know how many, how often people in the urban community rocking to the title of a song that you're about to say.
2: Yeah. Like, like Help. Hey! Yay! He don't need nobody. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs>
4: that's
2: pretty good. Did I, didn't even get
1: that joke.
2: <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, good, good. I know the lyrics of the song. That's one of my favorites. That's All right. Of, like the only ones I know.
1: There you go. That's that's one. Yeah. So I guess you're don't. You're not you not going to get the three. No, I'm probably not
2: going to get the three. But if you start naming them, I'd be like, I know that one. And then I could start singing some of them.
1: Be honest. Did you even know that that bump that we played coming in was a Beatles song?
2: No. Had no clue.
1: Yeah, that's hello, goodbye.
2: Had no clue. The Didn't funniest clue. The I was, funniest wondering, I was part, like, why are they playing? I, <laughs> I'm not even going to tell okay, you what I thought. So
1: Paul McCartney is British. Right. Right? And I assume many of the people that put together the marketing for his tour might be British and might not be up with American lingo. This might be a great transition into grammar school. Hmm. Did you see what the the official tour title is the title for the tour that is going to be visiting Winston-Salem
2: where Paul McCartney is going to be at
1: yeah yeah, the Paul McCartney tour is called so it's going to be an international tour mm-hmm. the name of this tour did you see that
2: no I did not I have no clue
1: it is Paul McCartney got back
2: Paul McCartney got back
1: that's the name of the tour
2: why are you smiling like that's such an achievement
1: it's just something I'm uncomfortable saying out loud that Paul McCartney <laughs> got back.
2: Why why would they why would they do that? Why like
1: Well, it's they just released that documentary Get Back. So now it's a playoff Get Back the song. That would be a second one that you could get. Mm. And now I they're wouldn't. doing Got Back.
3: Mm. Why wouldn't they do gets back? Like that it, would be it's a the lot Paul better. McCor- McCartney gets back tour. Right, that makes now much it's more sense.
1: Like Wake Forest just put out the hashtag #hashtag Paul McCartney got back, and I don't think that's accurate.
2: No, because the first thing I think of is Baby Got
1: Back. Paul <laughs> McCartney don't got back. I wouldn't know. You don't know what Paul <laughs> McCartney looks like.
2: Yeah, but I wouldn't know if he's got back. <laughs> we'll none find out. None of them have, have. None
1: of them. We'll find out at Truist Field on May twenty first if #hashtag Paul McCartney got back. Let's get into grammar school today.
0: Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse.
1: My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh
0: is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular.
2: I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time
0: for B-Dot's Grammar School.
2: I'm really angry with myself because I know that I know more Beatles songs than Let just Let It Be, help. Hey Jude. I know I know. Hey Jude, that's one.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite Beatles song. No. Now, nah, Let It Be probably is.
2: Help is my favorite one. Nevertheless, Paul McCartney's coming to Truist Stadium. I'm interested in checking that out.
1: You want to come with? You're going? I'll, I'm figuring out a way to be there.
2: Yes, I would love to go. All right. I love great. going to concerts of greats now. I don't get it confused. All right, we'll
1: go to that concert together then.
2: Welcome to another edition of Grammar School. This is very simple. I have three words or phrases, and Josh has to see if he can get them correct. If he gets two out of the three correct, he gets a satisfactory grade. And today, Joshua, I even have two extra points questions for you. You can get a total of five points today, bro. Wow.
1: Huh?
2: How's that sound? Bring that that average up. mm, That uh, that that also
1: means if I just get to three points somehow during this process, that's a passing score.
2: What he just said, I think. Nevertheless, (laughs) your first word. What is boolin?
1: Is that spelled B-O-O-L-I-N?
2: That is correct. That is correct. I don't get points for that, though. You do not get any points for that. However, I would like to also let the listening audience know that this is the West Coast edition of Grammar School. That's important. Let me write that down. The West Coast edition of Grammar School, seeing that the L.A. Rams just won the Super Bowl.
1: Oh, okay. So there's a West Coast tinge to this. 336-777-1600.
2: if you would like to assist, you can call up and be a lifeline for Josh. If you've been on the West Coast, you've been out there in Englewood, you heard him say booling. You know what I'm saying? You know, you hip. Is you it an like
1: adjective, to... a verb, a noun? It's not a noun. Adjective or a verb?
2: Robbie, what is it? A verb. It's a verb there. Yeah. A so verb. Somebody is booling. Yes. Yeah.
1: I am bowling. We are
3: bullying. Don't G bowling. on it. I said it incorrectly. Not
2: booling. Yeah. Booling boolin
1: Luis is just looking at me and laughing. Yeah, man,
3: he's been so excited for this all day. <laughs> you really you really
2: struck a chord with him last week, B-Dot. He was like,
0: B-Dot's in today, man!
2: That's my boy, Lewis. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, that's rock. Josh, man. stop trying to stall. Is anybody calling? No, nobody wants to help you. What is the definition of boolin
1: Boolin is... I guess when you are, I'm trying to think why it might be different than like booing somebody, mm-hmm. right? You know, like you're right. down, you're down on somebody, right?
2: Because it's just that one letter there that's different from booing and booling. Yeah, you see what I'm saying?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Luis, do you have an idea what this is? I know what it is. All right. Well, then I'm going to use you as a lifeline. Oh, what is wow. that? What is booing? It's just you're chilling, like you're just cooling, like you're just. Let's rising. go, Luis. That's his first real on-air contribution <laughs> to this show, and that's a great one. one I'm going to go with that. Chilling. That
2: is 100% correct. One one. But I now, think there's
3: some more. Oh, you go ahead if you're going to break it down. For
2: yes, me. I am going to break it down because this is how he gets a bonus point. Now We get a bonus point. Yes, because he said it was cooling, and that's right, like chilling, cooling. But that's when the bloods use it, okay? I'm giving you gang talk right here. Uh, I, we I talking figured. gang talk on grammar school today, <laughs> See, fool. You I was, understand?
1: I was thinking about the Crips. I didn't even think you about blood. We thinking
2: blood. So when we talking blood talk, okay? They say we booling. Got it. Now for an extra point, name a celebrity blood. Oh,
1: it would be uh, Suge Knight.
2: Shug Knight, I will give you Shug Knight as a celebrity blood. Congratulations, that's a hey, look good, ex- at Josh. Look at Josh. Yeah, yeah. Did Death you know? Row. Did you know that Shug? This Black History uh, all right Month. now, all right. Don't be. Yeah, calm down. God. He gets a little excited, <laughs> man. For Black History Month, did you know that Shug Knight um, um, allegedly allegedly held Vanilla Ice outside of a hotel room by his ankles? Yes, you did, I did know, know that. that. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. not a bonus point for that though.
2: Your second question: What is what does it mean to Debo?
1: Oh, like to take something from somebody. Hey,
2: give my man a name. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Debo somebody. For extra credit point, Josh, mm-hmm. who played Debo in the movie Friday?
1: I don't know his name, but he died recently. Tiny. R.I.P.
2: Tiny. Tiny. Yeah. yeah. Lister Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny Lister. All right, here we go.
1: So I've already got passing great. You are passing. Boom.
2: You've done good today, Josh. But yeah. well, you can't rest on a 70. You know, nobody puts 70s on the fridge.
3: So you want if you get 100 today.
2: Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Let's fight now. It's West Coast. If you're out in the West Coast, you know this stuff. Loke. L-O-C. Loke. Oh,
1: I've, I've heard this before. You've heard that one now. I've because I've been out in You've LA. been my out brother, there. My brother lives in L.A. That's
2: what I was trying to get you to remember. You, you've you been out there in the streets in Loke. L.A.
1: Loke. Okay. Yeah.
2: You've been booling in L.A. I'm
1: trying to think. Okay. Down. Adjective. A loke is a noun. It's a noun. So it. Someone is a loke. Does it have anything related? Louis, this is, is
2: very it, important to him. He needs to know. Is it
1: anything related to tone loke? You know who that is right.
2: Yes, I know who tone loke is, but
1: just seeing if there's any relation. I don't
2: there. think there is any relation. I don't know.
1: Is tone loke a loke?
2: I cannot answer these questions. You're asking questions that could ju- that could point you in the direction of success, and that's not my goal here.
1: Okay. I'm gonna say, a loke. Loke is, is somebody that you know. I, I would say it's a powerful figure in the streets, <laughs>
2: mm, like a kingpin. Yeah, like a king, like somebody yeah. that's making moves. That's oh, what okay. I'm going for. Yeah, that's a hundred percent incorrect. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's okay. I I like the way you tried to work around it, though. A loke is nothing more than a homie. If you my loke, you my homie. You know what I'm saying? You're my loke. You my loke. Not not you're my loke. You would say you my. Take the R out of your you are. I don't like the way you say you're my loke. I didn't like that. (laughs) Give me a you my loke. Give me that. See? Let me hear that.
1: That's why grammar school, grammar is spelled wrong purposely in this because it's not proper grammar anyway.
2: Let me hear a you my loke. You Uh, my loke. There we go. There we go. There we go. There's my loke. And that's
1: been grammar school. For hey, you were week.
2: successful. This was you satisfactory <gasps> grade. Now we don't put it on the fridge, like my boy Robbie said. But thanks to Louise, he bailed you out.
1: It might not go on Robert's fridge. It's going on my fridge. That's how I roll. It's a subpar ass fridge. You are the sixth man of Tar Heel basketball. That
2: has been confirmed by Coach Hubert Davis.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah, he's weird. Yee-hoo! Yeah, I get it. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: Ah, yes! This morning, it was announced that Sir Paul himself is going to be performing at Truest Field May 21st. That was the historic announcement that we mentioned a few days ago. And there's a lot going on at Wake Forest as we come your way here on a Friday drive. When we get off at 6 o'clock this evening, we'll be at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds Annex, hanging out, handing out prizes at the ACC Hockey League Championships, fourth year in a row that they're in town. It's a good time. You should swing by. Then tomorrow, for the second straight week, right in the same neck of the woods, the biggest basketball game in the ACC is at Joel Coliseum. It's Notre Dame-Wake Forest. And for the Deeks, it's a game that will almost certainly define their season. I try not to overstate things. But I believe if they win this game, they're a tournament team. If they don't, they're on the bubble. They're, on a, they're in a similar situation that North Carolina is in right now. If they win, I think it leaves no doubt. Notre Dame, right now they're tied with Duke for the best record in the ACC. That's how good the Irish are. For the second straight week at the Joel, it's two of the top four teams in the ACC doing battle. There's no other game that can say that. So it's a huge, huge game. But if Wake wins it, then you're talking about a team right now that is 21-7 overall with three games left to go in the regular season. And the three games they got? Louisville at home, Clemson on the road, State at home. All three of those teams have losing records. Those should be cupcakes for Wake Forest this time of year. And if Wake Forest wins those games, then you're talking about 24-7 Wake? That team's not getting left out, period. Joe Winardi says they're comfortably in right now, and I'd agree with that. But if they lose to Notre Dame, they move pretty close to that bubble. It'll be three straight games where Wake Forest had opportunities to beat a team top four in the ACC and didn't get it done. Against Miami, they had every opportunity. They were leading, and... Rarely do they not close in those situations. They did not in that spot. They rallied back. I think got the lead in the game. Could not close. Jake Laravia was in foul trouble. They lost 76-72. I was also there on Tuesday night. Wake Forest was down 19, but they rallied all the way back. Tied the game in the final minute, but Mark Williams had the putback. Duke won the game by two. Narrow margins. Narrow margins. Might be something you think the committee cares about, but I don't think they actually do. They're going to look at the scores and say, well, they just lost that game. Doesn't matter who's close. They lost the game. What's the result? Wake Forest played three good teams, and they lost all three of them if they lose this game. And then, as we talked about, see, that remaining schedule cuts two ways. If you win the game, it's just gravy, baby. You got three more games, win them, and you're good. If you lose, though, those three games don't look so appealing because you don't have opportunity to impress the committee by beating State and beating Clemson and beating Louisville. That's not going to impress anybody. That's what's different about Wake's situation versus North Carolina's. If you're a Wake fan, you probably recoil at the idea that Wake Forest could be in a similar spot as North Carolina considering Wake Forest handed it to the Tar Heels, beat them by 22 about a month ago. And I get where you're coming from with that, but I'm just telling you. The reason why that conversation would be close, assuming a Wake loss tomorrow against the Irish, North Carolina has a better out-of-conference schedule than Wake Forest does. Wake Forest has one of the worst in high major basketball. North Carolina played some good teams, and they beat Michigan. Who's looking pretty good right now. That win looks better and better for the Tar Heels. As does the win against Virginia. There's no doubt about it. As for Wake Forest. They don't have opportunity that North Carolina does to impress after this game. Until they get to Brooklyn. North Carolina still has Virginia Tech tomorrow. That's a quad one. They still have Duke on the road. Don't like their chances to win that game. But it's an opportunity for them. So tomorrow it's going to define Wake A season, and I like the Deeks to win. I like the home court advantage. I like their length. I think both those things are going to make a difference. Armando Bacot nearly had twenty and twenty against Notre Dame early in the season.
0: Armando
1: Wake Forest is bigger than North Carolina is, so you're talking about one of the two or three biggest teams in the league. That's going to be a problem. Virginia Tech the same way. Cave Aluma, Justin Muts. Notre Dame had issues with them, and I think Notre Dame's going to have some problems with the Deeks, who are going to be playing crispy tomorrow, knowing that they got to win this game. In a way, I don't think Notre Dame's going to be playing, even though they had some problems and had to go to overtime at home against Boston College. I like the Deeks in that game. On Twitter, at WSGS Sports, if you want in on today's show, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Robert Walsh is the producer of the show. we got intern Luis in the house as well. I'm going to try to attempt the double tomorrow, Robert. You think I'm going to be in good shape? Wake Notre Dame is a 1 o'clock tip. Bali Sports, if you can't make it out to the Joel. And Duke FSU is 6 o'clock in Durham. I, I should be able to get out of there around 3, 3.30 and still get to Durham in time for tip, you think?
3: Yeah, as long as they don't go to overtime, right?
1: Oh, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't do that.
3: Here's how we do it. I'm wearing my Dick and shirt, though. If you say they're going to go to overtime, then they won't go to overtime. Oh, got it. So if you say, like, uh, I think whatever you want to happen, do do to say, You
1: want me to say there's no way they can go to overtime tomorrow.
3: And if they go to overtime, Wake will definitely lose. Say that. You say that.
1: Gotcha. And there's no way, if it goes to overtime, Wake Forest loses.
3: Wins. Wake Forest wins. Oh, I-
1: I'm confused now, but Wake Forest is 3-0 and <laughs> in overtime this year. Should throw that out there. But tomorrow's not going to go to overtime because I need to make it to Durham. That's what I'm trying to spell out here. I think it's important I need to get to Cameron before the game tips off because I don't expect it to be much of a game. I think the Blue Devils are do a blowout. I think they're do a blowout at home, and I think, as Brendan Marks likes to call it, I think we're doing appearance from Death Star Duke. I think that's what we're going to see. Florida State. A month ago today, beat Duke. That was at the Tucker Center in Tallahassee. A lot has transpired since then. This is not the same FSU team. They don't have Malik Osborne anymore. He's out for the remainder of the year. They don't have Anthony Polite. He's out for the remainder of the regular season. I don't know if Caleb Mills is going to play in this game. He missed the earlier game this week against Clemson. Butler's banged up. Fletcher's banged up. Many of their rotational guys, they are just hurt. And I feel bad for Leonard Hamilton, who we all like. The pride of Gastonia. Coach Ham. Before the one-point win over Clemson earlier this week, FSU lost six in a row, including a 20-point loss against the Tar Heels. If North Carolina's handing FSU a 20-point loss, that's what Duke's going to do. I like Duke by 20 tomorrow at 6 o'clock. The Devils? They're poised for an outburst at home. Three straight underwhelming performances at home. It's not going to be four. This is their last three home games. Clemson, one by two. Virginia, lost essentially at the buzzer. Wake Forest, win by two. Those two wins are by four points combined, and they lost one of those three. I anticipate a bounce-back factor, and... I think Death Star Duke's going to make an appearance at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Coach K is going to be back. That's what he said yesterday on his Sirius XM show. Chris Carowell, he trumpeted a similar message on the Duke coaches show. With him back in the building, his second-to-last home game at Cameron, they're not going to lose that game. They're getting closer to March. They're going to be focused. They're going to shift their intensity. I expect it all to be there, and I think it gets ugly Give me Duke by 20 against Florida State. Duke, as good as they've been, and they're the best team in the league, they've only had two 20-point wins in conference play this year. When they beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and when they beat Syracuse that snowy weekend where Brian Geisiger was calling the game on national radio, that was four home games ago. They're due another one. Duke big. I also like Wake Forest, too. It's a massive weekend. North Carolina and Virginia Tech tomorrow. Miami and Virginia. That's a big game. It is an awesome slate of ACC basketball we have to look forward to tomorrow.
4: What's up? What's up? What none of you wants to
0: admit is that the kid is good. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: One more segment with our guy B-Dot.
2: What's happening? They won't let me leave. They had this guy come in here named Tom. Tom came and tried to strap me down to the table and told me I was going to be here till Monday. I was like, get away from it, Tom. What are you doing?
1: That's our general manager.
2: Is that who it was? Yeah. Jeez, he had a contract and everything. I was like, wait, I just quit a job. Let me just breathe for a minute, Tom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we get to the movie game, I forgot to give you the caucastic question Since you give me the urban vernacular for words in grammar school, we're getting set for the ACC Hockey League Championships tonight at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds. How many hockey players are on the ice at one time in live action? That is your question. I know.
2: I'm thinking. I'm trying to count in my head right now. How many hockey? Is it games or matches? What is it called? Hockey what? Or
1: you could tell me what icing is, whichever you prefer.
2: Icing. That's what goes on birthday cakes.
1: No, I meant in hockey, Oh, there's a rule. No icing. icing. Is that fighting? No.
2: Dang it. Okay. That's but not the one I was trying to answer anyways. That's not the one I was trying to answer anyways. I, I, I was going to all right. All right. Was quick, gonna do the just, numbers.
1: Just tell me how many players are on the ice. Six.
2: <coughs> all together? Nine. No, on one team, I was talking about six.
1: Okay. So all together at one time, how many skaters are on the ice?
2: Well, I got to do both teams. Are we talking about the goalies, too?
1: How many skaters or how many players are on the ice at one time? Am I counting
2: goalies, too, is yes, what I'm asking you? Damn. Yes, yes. Golly. They're a player. Like
1: This isn't a hard question.
2: Yes, it is. <laughs> 12. That's correct. Yeah. Team me up. I told you I know everything about everything. You're two
1: for two. You're
2: two for two when it
1: comes to the questions Let's I throw no. your way. Did you get texted? No one texted you. Nobody texted me. I'm trying
2: to text out the words I said for grammar school. I haven't got through with my tweet.
1: I got you. Follow him on Twitter at B.Dot. Let's play the movie game. I've just been handed an urgent
0: and horrifying news story. It's time for some kind of movie game. All right, all right, all right. With Josh Graham and B.Dot. Show me the money.
2: (laughs) Hey, they said my name in there, too.
0: That's pretty good. Great imaging on
1: Robert's part. Yeah, and you know I like to do it quick like that. He, he it. edited it. Anytime, I was guys. A we play the movie
3: game. It's fun, but we have a special edition day because it is B on second time playing the movie game. So I'm going to explain the rules just as a reminder for him, and in case you guys haven't listened to the movie game before, this is the Rotten Tomatoes movie game. So you guys will be guessing the audience score. For the movies that I present to you, we will have three movies, and if you guess the score on the nose, it will minus your score by five. You're going for the lowest score here, so at the end, whoever has the lowest score wins. But if you are within 10 after the third movie, we will go to a fourth final golden movie to
2: decide the winners.
1: And if you win, you get a 30-second moment of Zim where you can promote whatever you want to promote.
2: And just like you, I didn't understand them damn rules either. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I'll be sitting in the car listening to this like, what did he just say? Hold on, if you if you divide it by three and round up to who? Yeah, but
1: I'm not good with the math. That's why i got an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> I'll do what my mom it. says every time she tries to teach me a new card game. Let's just play and you'll figure it out. <laughs> Bingo. That's <laughs> right. the
3: quickest way to do it. That's the quickest way to do it. So we're just going to jump right in. And see? then we'll get
1: to basketball in 10 minutes. I ah, hell
2: with the basketball. We're playing the movie game. Why do you have a pen and pad?
1: Oh, you need a pen too. Sorry.
2: Does he not have a pen? No. Oh, weird. Y'all trying to sabotage your boy, man. It's Black History Month. All right. Come on. I'll
1: just do mine digitally.
2: Come on.
3: Here we go. All right. We're going to edit all this out in post, as Josh likes to say. Our first movie of our Olympic-themed movies, we're going to go with Blades of Glory. Yeah. <laughs> Not really based in the Olympics, but it's ice skating, and there aren't a lot of Olympic movies, so we're going to go with it. Yeah. But you both of you guys have seen this, right? Yes. yes.
1: Blades of Glory. This is the first movie. First movie that John Heater chose to do after he did Napoleon Dynamite.
3: What popular rap song intro is from this movie? Mm-mm. What's it mean? I don't know, it's just provocative. Oh, it gets oh,
2: yeah, the people right. going. That's right. You're right. <laughs> Exactly right. Uh-huh. Um, Blades of glory. Okay. I don't think I don't know if I did that. What are you googling? What are you over here googling?
1: I'm writing my score digitally.
2: <laughs> nah, you ain't writing no scores. digitally. you'll be a typing and carrying on <laughs> no, man. <I'm> on <laughs> my, your tricks. I'm on my notes app. You watch that. You watch. I a- am me watching him, you man. Watch him He's sitting up here know. trying to go to Google and go to Rotten writing, writing tomatoes.
1: <laughs> I got my score down. Do you have your score down? <laughs> I
2: think so, but you go first. All
1: right, I got forty-eight written down.
2: I got sixty-eight written down. Ooh,
1: y'all are going quick? Forty-eight for Josh. Sixty-eight for
3: Bdot. The Rotten Tomato score for Blades of Glory comes in.
2: God, beginner's luck, 68. No, on the dot, no! boy. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's how I get down. I, <laughs> I don't, don't play around. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. Hey, hey, Louis, crazy. you see what's going on today? Crazy. You are witnessing the power, bro. Huh? You are. It's Black History Month. <laughs> don't you ever forget it. Happy, I can't. I,
1: <laughs> I'm double checking this real quick.
2: You're double checking what? See, I told you was over here typing and stuff, Robbie. No, I'm double checking to
1: see what the score was to see if you got it right. right, on the road. All, right all right,
3: so you when it comes Robbie? up to 68 from the audience score, what does Josh have to do? Because I feel like this is like calling. Uh,
1: he just called me a cheater.
2: I know, but you're saying this is like nah, saying somebody I can't.
1: Right. I can't get to it. Let's just get. Let's He's just like, move oh, on.
2: Somebody cut it off on spades. Am I doing that good that you have to go and double check behind <laughs> Robbie? <yo? laughs> Like what do you take me for?
1: All right, you're up by 25 in this game. I don't already. even know what
2: that means, really, Louis. Like, well, I'll
1: explain it to you. It's like where Pitt was at at halftime against Carolina Ooh, the other night.
2: Ooh, that's why your shirt's wrinkled. Let's go, Robbie. Look like you got balled up before you came in here. All right, our next movie. <laughs> oh, right. paper mâché shirt here. <laughs> you gotta stop. <laughs> Sorry. Right, okay, okay. Here we go. Uh. For
3: our next movie coming up, we have Cool Runnings. Oh, I love this. Jamaica, we are a bobsled team. Cool Runnings.
1: I've never seen Cool Runnings. We really? Talked about, we talked about this with uh, Darren Vaught. I'd never seen this movie.
2: I've, saw, I've seen it before, but it was a long, long time ago. But that's the bobsledding joint, right? That's right. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Why are you covering your score? I don't have to cheat off you. I'm up 25 points. You bum? Well, I'm going to come back and win this game. Maybe, but I'm bragging right now. Are
1: All you right. ready for our numbers? Yep. Yeah, I got 77.
2: Dang, I got 54.
1: Okay. Going to make up some ground here if it's a good score.
3: Josh is going to be happy with this one. Cool Runnings comes in at 76. Dang okay.
1: it. So now, now it gets interesting. If we're within 10 after the third, then we have a golden movie. So how many points is BDOT still leading me?
3: Well, my Excel, you know how I bragged about this Excel spreadsheet so I didn't have to do math? Uh, it has done something funky, and now I'm having to do math on my own. But I'm, I think I can do this. B. Dot, you've got 22 points and a zero, but you got it on the nose, so that's minus five. That's 17 points, and Josh has 26 points. So currently we are four points away from each other, and we are still in the range of a final movie.
1: So yes, you're up four on me. What's the last movie?
3: Last movie we're going to do, unless we get a golden movie... Not exactly the Winter Olympics, but it is a certain kind of Olympics. It is The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville.
1: That's the one I knew we were coming. I knew Robert. I know Robert well enough to know as soon as it was Olympics category, a movie that there's no way could ever be released today in any form. The ringer with Johnny Knoxville. When the bleep did we get ice cream?
3: I want to be honest with you. I had
2: Itanya, but I was worried that B Dot would not have seen Itanya. Could have thrown Itanya or the Ringer, as far as I'm concerned right now. <laughs> you don't know this movie? No, I've never seen the Ringer. A guy pretends
1: to be in the Special Olympics. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, Johnny Knoxville is trying to join the Special
3: Olympics to get a check. This movie could not be made today, but it is very, no very way. funny.
1: It's very no, funny.
2: No way. You can make this movie. <laughs> just the premise brings tears <laughs> to my eyes. And I apologize it's for my ignorance It's and my unbelievable childishness. that this movie was made. <laughs> Ringer. That's w- definitely well, we a Ringer. We need to
1: hang out and just watch this movie. <laughs> Yo, my sometimes. eyes
2: are watering. Wait. Right, hey, Ringer. Robbie. I got some questions real quick. What year did the Ringer come out? Do you know this? Uh, the Ringer came out in 2014 or 2004. 2004. And it's Johnny Knoxville. So they love Johnny Knoxville. Who else is in this movie? No one. Uh, a, a cast. A female
1: interest. Is she somebody?
2: Uh, let me give it. Hang on. Let me
3: give it a quick Google. I hadn't. I haven't watched this movie in a long time.
1: Yeah, I forget who it is, but
3: it is somebody of note. You're. You're right. Uh, okay. When I type in the Ringer now, Catherine it just Heigl, so happens maybe? that there's like a, a publication called the Ringer, so it goes straight to that. Uh, it was Catherine Heigl. Oh, or,
0: okay.
2: Yeah. And I'm supposed to be guessing on what the audience thought when they left out the movie. <laughs> yes. That is this precise.
0: really could
3: go
1: either way. I have no idea what direction this is going. All right, in. so I'm
2: gonna go if, if, if they were asking me. That's the number I'm gonna give if they were asking me right. after watching All the right,
1: movie. I got a score written down. You ready? Yes. All right, Josh, what you got? I got 64.
2: <clears throat> My number is 77,
1: which means if it's over 77,
2: you win. Mm, it's definitely not over 77. Let's see. Not that many people liked it, I promise you, Jack.
1: Controversial. <laughs> the
3: ringer comes in at sixty-eight.
1: Oh, okay. Gosh. So I I made up some ground, but I think I think Dot's still probably in the lead.
3: You are in the lead, but is a s- narrow, narrow margin. It is Josh in first by thirty dot in second at 31.
1: Wow, it's a one-point difference. Look at that. So
3: really, y'all can go. There's no strategy in this last one. You're just trying to be right here. This is the golden movie, yeah. and this is possibly the best Olympic movie of all time. It is Miracle. Yes. Yep.
1: That is a great movie. Yeah. Still holds up. Yeah. One of the best decisions with that movie, the director deciding not to get hire actors, but to hire, like, Actual hockey players to play the actors, so that way it looked like legitimate hockey. And they had Al Michaels revoice pretty much the entire call of the game, oh, aside wow. from the final call that they just played the actual one. The That's most funny. iconic thing for
3: they actually did that in Snow on the Bluff
2: too. Like instead of getting actors, <laughs> they-, <laughs> they sure did. They didn't have Al Michaels the I- voiceover. <laughs> But trust me, <laughs> he couldn't have made it any better. I'll I, tell you that. I <laughs> was
3: going to make this a grammar school theme, so like movies. But I, then I was like, well, I know Josh has never seen any of these. and It, <laughs> and it would just be us talking about like it's Great kind of movies. Love.
1: I got one written down.
2: I got a number written down too. I've what
1: got you guys got? 84.
2: My favorite number is 11. Earlier today, I guessed 8 when I should have guessed 11. So this time I am guessing 11 from 100. Eighty nine is my number. Eighty nine. Okay.
1: okay, this is going to be really interesting. Robert is having to do math in his head, so it sounds like it's in between the two. Thanks. Where are we at? Who won?
3: Miracle comes in at ninety, and that means no. Yes. Or, no. 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 <laughs> that means B dot wins. Yes. No! yes! yes! With thirty two. <laughs> no!
0: yeah!
2: I'm pulling yeah. your music out, to hell. Oh no. go! Bnot won the movie game. Let's Give him go. his moment of zen. Listen, man, my life is all about numbers. Yeah. 11 is my favorite number. I always go with 11. 32 is my best friend. That's his number. 11, 32, that's my four. So for me to win with 32 points after I went with 11 right here, that just means I'm dominant. I'm always right. Luke May your best woman. friend? Who's my best friend? Luke May? No, no, no. Boss Hawk. But his favorite number is three, too. That's not the hear on there. Could you please be quiet in the peanut gallery? Right. I would just like to say thank you to everybody that was out there rooting for me and believe. We did it, y'all. All of us that can't ever understand the rules. We're really not really good in math. And we just be guessing out our ass. We won! Can you say guessing out your ass on here? You did. You just did. <laughs> there's nothing we can do about
3: it. Wait, there's Tom.
2: Sorry, Tom. That's not Tom for real.
3: <laughs> Actually, kidding. that guy's name is Tom,
2: too. Yeah, that guy's name's Tom, too. <laughs> There's another Tom? We got two yeah, you got Tom. We got Tom Tom. This is the original Tom Tom.
1: <laughs> All right, B-Dot. Okay. I didn't know, but maybe you didn't either.
2: Stop putting the butt in there. I didn't know. Maybe you didn't either.
1: Sarah Braver was listening to a podcast this week, and it popped up. That's awesome. Which is pretty cool, a national podcast. Yeah. You should be subscribed. Let's get him to 1,000 subscribers by the next time yes. he's in studio with us next week. That's our guy on Twitter at B dot. Thanks mm-hmm. for being
2: in here, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. You talk like a crazy person. You have sexually transmitted crazy mouth.
0: You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Help! I
2: need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Help!
1: How cool was that today? 9 a.m. this morning at the Wake Football Stadium, they announced that Sir Paul himself going to be performing in Winston Salem May the 21st. Tickets go on sale next Friday. Another thing I'm excited about is chatting with our next guest Ian O'Connor, but I'm more excited to read the work that he's been producing for the last year or so, probably even longer than that. The book Coach K: The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski creating headlines this week with the excerpt we talked about Tommy Amaker apparently the choice that Duke administration want Coach K wanted John Shire, and as we know, John Shire's going to be the guy once Coach K steps down at the end of this season. Let's start here. Have you ever seen Paul McCartney? What What, what are we looking forward to if you have, Ian? Welcome to the show. <laughs>
4: I never have seen him live, Josh. I, I'm sorry to say that. I believe, well, I know somebody who saw the Beatles at Shea Stadium in New York, in their first big concert, at least on the eastern seaboard of the United States, uh, many, many moons ago. Uh, but I can't say I've ever seen him personally, but uh, I wouldn't mind a ticket if you have an extra one. <laughs> I'll keep,
1: I'll keep uh, you in mind for that. Ian O'Connor with us here again, the book called Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski, available this month. So it's pretty good that this is dropped right now. How long have you been reporting for this book?
4: Well, uh, first off, it's, it's available uh, Tuesday. It drops officially. It's already on amazon.com if you want to order it. Uh, it's, it's been a two-plus-year process. That's most of my books are usually two two and a half years that My previous bio on Belichick was really more of a three, three-year- plus challenge, and, and that was like climbing Mount Everest for a lot of different reasons. And, and listen, uh, the Patriots are like the Kremlin, but uh, Duke is like the CIA. So this was, uh, this was a great challenge for me to try to find information behind those walls. Not an easy task. And Coach K did not uh, grant me access to him or interviews. And I, I believe in retirement he wants to write his own book. But it, uh, to his credit, he never blocked anybody. He told me he would not block people from talking to me, and, and he lived up to that. And so I, I will always appreciate that because Belichick went out of his way to block people. And of course, that creates greater challenges. And and so no, I, this was a lot of blood, sweat and tears over the last two, two and a half years. And hopefully when readers get a chance to look at it, they'll see it for what I intended it, which is a fair, honest and definitive account of a great American life.
1: One thing that we hear a lot about and people that do not like Duke roll their eyes at is the idea of the Duke brotherhood. And last year, one thing that struck me was this was a process that happened pretty much over a month. Coach K stepping down and then the process of figuring out who was going to be hired next and then us learning at the start of June that it was going to be John Shire and nothing leaked. Nothing leaked and we didn't hear about this. Until Duke announced the concurrent news that Coach K was going to step away and that John Shire was going to be the guy, and I was impressed by that. And what you're peeling back here is that it doesn't seem to be as aligned as it does as it did back then, Duke's administration versus what Coach K wanted moving forward. How surprised were you? to see that Duke and K weren't aligned on who the successor should be.
4: Yeah, that was surprising, Josh. And and listen, at the end of the day, uh, Coach K uh, built the best college basketball program in America over 42 years with his bare hands. And so there are a lot of Duke fans I've heard from, and I'm not saying they're wrong, and I did not criticize Coach K in the book for doing what he did as far as effectively talking Tommy Amaker out of the job and making sure John Shire was pushed through. If anyone in the history of college basketball has earned the right to do that, it would be coach K, right? The other side of the argument is the university didn't want John Shire initially. I think they looked at John as a very viable candidate and he's got a lot of strength and he just went out and signed the number one recruiting class in the country out of the gate. And it's hard to argue with that, but the university wanted to hire Tommy Amaker. And so Mike is, it's the first time in Mike's life, I believe, that he that Duke was an opponent to him. And Mike Shoshevsky is used to winning, and he won. I mean, let's face it, he, even the one time in his life he was competing against Duke, guess what? He won. And so he felt that Shire, if Shire got the job, he's 33, now 34 years old. Coach K molded him. He's in the program. Amaker left 24, 25 years ago. So he wanted the continuity, if you will. He wanted to maintain a greater degree of influence and control over the program than he would have had bringing in Amaker from the outside, though he was a member of the Duke family in his mid fifties has run three division one programs, has his own ideas on how to run a division one program at the highest level. And so that's why he fought for Shire to get in there. And ultimately he got his way.
1: Why did Duke prefer Amaker?
4: I think experience, for one, again, a guy in his mid-50s who's been a Division One head coach for a long time. Of course, the Harvard academic prestige matches up with what Duke would want. And and frankly, given the climate, I think it was very appealing to people in the administration to have an African-American head coach. Now, I think Duke deserves credit for having uh, Nina King in, in place, in power. One of the very uh, small number of schools at the highest level of college sports that has an African-American woman as athletic director but here's the signature job at, at the school that has the best basketball program in the country, and African-American players meant so much to Coach K's legacy and career, and Tommy Amaker was, was very significant in the early stages of, of the, what became the Duke Dynasty. So he made sense on all kinds of different levels. Not that they didn't like John Shire. They, they thought John Shire was a good candidate, and, but, but the administration thought he was the second best candidate. Coach K thought he was the best and he was able to by hey Tommy Amaker could have said to Coach K when they had the conversation hey I understand Mike how you feel you're not going to like this but I'm taking the job because this is a dream opportunity to me I'm here in the Ivy League and by the way Harvard's in I believe sixth place right now in the Ivy League so where what is the ceiling at Harvard sweet 16 maybe once every 10-15 years if you're lucky where at Duke every year you're competing for the final four in the national title. So he could have said to his mentor, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm taking the job. I'll see you in two weeks. But he decided not to do that.
1: Wow. So your understanding of what happened was that Duke offered Tommy Amaker the job, but Tommy Amaker then went to coach K.
4: Oh, no, I, I believe uh, coach K set that conversation up and it, My understanding is it was a Zoom call, and Coach K explained to Tommy Amaker why it would not be good for the program for him to take the job. Why? Because if Amaker took the job, he'd have to leave Harvard, be an assistant coach for a year as a successor in waiting, and Nolan Smith, who had just been promoted from director of basketball operations to full-time coach, would have to be demoted again to make room for Amaker. So and and also an awkward dynamic potentially could exist between Shire and Amaker. Wow. So what you're saying
1: though is is that he could have that conversation was not Coach K telling him he can't have the job because you're saying he was offered it. He could have listened. He could have ignored what K said in that conversation and still been the head coach at Duke. And right now we're looking at a succession season where Tommy Amaker is the coach. Would he still join the staff? You think?
4: Yes. And and that's what I reported. And so you could look at it one of two different ways. You could say, well, he should have he should have just taken the job. And so he had that opportunity and he didn't do that. But there were people and I don't know how many of these people he talked to. But after the fact, and and I I was talking to those who know Tommy Amaker very well, how would it feel if he takes that job without his mentor's blessing? Mike's keeping his office on the sixth floor there, the tower overlooking Krzyzewskiville. He's going to be around. He's going to be present. That could have been uncomfortable. And he decided, I've got a great life at Harvard, which he does. And his, his wife has a very good job there. They're entrenched in the community. And so he decided not to do it. And you could argue whether or not that was a mistake. But understand that if he took the job at Duke against his mentor's wishes, it would have been a very uncomfortable existence in all likelihood.
1: How surprised was Duke that Tommy Amaker didn't go through with it?
4: That's a good question, I, and I don't know the answer to that question. I, I'm guessing they were pretty surprised because you're offered the signature job in in college basketball, and you say no to it when you're at Harvard. Again, it, there's a lot of great things about working at Harvard University, for obvious reasons, the prestige, and he he did build the what was a dominant program in the Ivy League going back seven, eight, nine years. They had a run of NCAA tournament appearances, but now – They're not doing that anymore, and it's tough to maintain it there. Where at Duke, you're recruiting the best players in the country every year. You have a chance anyway at the Final Four virtually every year. You're not going to get there, but that's the goal every year. So I'm sure they were surprised when they got the word that they would have to move on to John Shire.
1: Ian O'Connor with us here. Fascinating stuff. The book available, as he mentioned, next week. Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. And you can order now online. Coach K wasn't interviewed, as you mentioned, for the book. If you did get him to speak on the record and you could only pick one subject to explore, what would be the subject that you most want an answer out of him on?
4: Well, just one, huh? (laughs) The Bob Knight relationship has got to be near the top of the list, if not at the top, and how it unraveled. And I, I think that that is certainly a subject I would really want to explore with him because Knight meant so much to him in a positive way, really he raised him in the business. He coached him, obviously, at Army. He hired him at Indiana as a grad assistant, really taught him how to run a major college basketball program. He helped him get the job at Army, helped him get the job at Duke. And then it all started to fall apart, of course, in 1992 when Mike beat him at the Final Four. And when a mentor gets surpassed by by his or her protege, That causes problems in the relationship. That's what happened. And over time, there would be little incidents here and there, flights more real than imagined, that Krzyzewski would overcome and get past initial anger at some things Knight did to him, like ignore him in 96 Madison Square Garden before the game. And that night, he told his wife on the plane back to Durham, I'm never, ever going to deal with this guy again. Then he changed his mind. And he had him present Coach K as an inductee at the Hall of Fame in 2001. So there were these ups and downs and a lot of downs in this relationship until Pinehurst in 2015 at a West Point reunion where he went over to Bob Knight's table and Knight ignored him, just dismissed him. And Krzyzewski stormed out of the room and a number of uh, former Army teammates followed him out the door. And that's when he said, this is the last bleeping time I'm ever going to try with this guy And apparently he meant it because my reporting shows that they've never spoken since that day. And it's sad. It's sad, but true, unfortunately.
1: Ian O'Connor, what's been the reaction you've gotten the last few days from Duke? Anything of note to share with us since the uh, excerpts were released?
4: Josh, I have not heard from Duke since the first excerpt was released on Tuesday, actually two came out on on Tuesday, the the Amaker Shire piece and then the Bob Knight piece, which ran on, on Yahoo. So, so no, I, um, at some point I'm sure I'll have a conversation or two with officials at Duke. It's interesting to note that uh, that story first came out on Amaker and Shire on Tuesday morning and it's now Friday evening. I don't believe anyone at Duke has denied it as far as I know. And so, and, and Amaker I believe has given a couple of no comments but it is, uh, I hope what they see is, yeah, it, when you do a full examination of somebody's life, and it is a great American life that he's lived, the flaws have to be included, the mistakes have to be included, and they have to be examined. And I don't know, it, it's easy It's easy for me to say, and if you're Mike Krzyzewski, it might be tougher to read that and understand that and accept it, but... Really, the word that I or the goal that I set and try to meet with these biographies with Belichick, Derek Jeter, Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas is fairness. That's the most important. Word. Is it fair? And they all knew I, I went to Duke and I met with with somebody high up in the university chain of command and, and explained here are the negatives that will be in this book. So there are no surprises. And if anybody here wants to say anything on or off the record about these negatives, Now's your opportunity. I don't want you to open the book and be surprised. You now have a chance to respond to, to the negatives. I'm not going to tell you all the positives because if I get something wrong with the positives, you're not going to care. <laughs> the negatives <laughs> is a different story. They, and, and to their credit, Duke, Duke did uh, set me up with Chris Kennedy, their compliance director, on some NCA issues and, and, and accusations slash allegations over the years. They haven't had many cases, but they've had a few pop up. And so I was adding context and detail to those. And frankly, there are coaches around the country who have competed against Duke. One who told me every time there's an NCA issue at Duke and you think there has to be an investigation of this, somebody finds a sinkhole and flushes it. And and there's never any real investigation when it involves a Duke student athlete. So I addressed that with Chris Kennedy, the compliance director. I hit him on on whether it was Corey Maggette, and whether or not he should have been allowed to play in 1999, those 39 games after taking, what was it, $2,000 from an AAU coach. And technically he was ineligible for those 37 victories. They were not taken away from Coach K. And I know there are there are coaches who believe that that should have happened. So I did give Duke a chance to respond to cases like that, the Lance Thomas jewelry case and oh, yeah. uh, the Zion Williamson investigation. So there have been a number of cases over the years that uh, they did respond to.
1: Well, you, you like you said, haven't heard a comment from Duke yet. Wednesday, Tuesday night, we were all there at Cameron and expecting Coach K to speak on it. But then, obviously, he didn't coach in the second half. So we'll have to wait till tomorrow, and then we'll find out. Any prediction on what Coach K is going to say? Is it going to be a no comment, or do you think he might open up about it?
4: Well, Reece Davis asked him, or he said on the broadcast for ESPN, the uh, Wake Forest game, that he asked Coach K about it before the, uh, the game started, and Cheshevsky and said no comment, or he, he wasn't going to comment on the book now. There's a chance he might have time to read it in the offseason, and then he might comment then. That uh, was uh, from Reese Davis. Okay. So my suspicion is he will likely say, I, I'm not going to comment on a book I haven't read yet. So I believe that's the way he'd play it, but who knows? We'll find out tomorrow.
1: We will. Ian? It's it's so good to have you on the show. Maybe I'll see you at the Paul McCartney show. Appreciate you doing this.
4: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Josh.
1: You got it. Take the care. book is called Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski, available next Tuesday, and a lot of fascinating stuff. See, I misread some of the reporting clearly there, Robert. How unbelievable is that where it wasn't you had to get Coach K's blessing and Duke chose Tommy Amaker? No, it was... Duke offered Tommy Amaker the job, then Coach K spoke to Amaker saying why it wouldn't be good for the program and Amaker still could have taken the job.